Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so glad you are here today. So when my good friend was contemplating divorce, she showed me this quote she had found. And the quote said, you can become again and again. And I love that quote. And it has frankly stuck with me all this time. Because no matter what your circumstances, where you are, or what stage in your life you're at, there is truth and wisdom in that very short quote. You see, I didn't grow up with money. In fact, that's probably a little bit of an understatement. We were, in fact, pretty poor. The kind of poor where my mom told me that one time the Salvation Army came to deliver us Thanksgiving dinner. The kind of poor where we were on food stamps for a time. And sidebar, I just have to say thank you to my friend Heather, who would always let me come to her house and play restaurant and order Doritos off our pretend menu because we certainly did not have Doritos at our apartment back in those days. And when our car got repossessed, I ran down to the playground and told all the moms sitting on the benches that our car got quote-unquote possessed. I think I was a little bit of an oversharer, and if you haven't already noticed, I think I probably already still am. But the thing is, I don't think I knew we were poor. For the most part, I really had no idea. I had everything I needed and then some. And I definitely never believed that because my friends had more money that they had more than me or that it mattered at all. I'm okay. I did covet everyone's guest jeans collection because, you know, back then in the 80s, guest jeans were a big thing. But other than that, I truly believed in my heart of hearts that I could do anything, I could be anything. And it never crossed my mind to think that growing up without money was a hindrance to that. It may sound a little bit crazy, but those apartments were so important to me. They became a canvas and honestly shaped so much of who I would become. I lived there in total for 15 years. And the two women that managed the apartment complex, who were also good family friends of ours, once told me that I could be the president of the United States someday. And I mean, I was wearing a blazer to kindergarten, so there is that. But no, seriously, that sentiment 
that belief that tiny little me could do anything carried me for my entire life. I don't think they probably even know how formative that was in building my self-confidence. Tiny little me believed I could become because I believed I already was. Sell fortunes at the playground for money? Oh, you bet you. Run for VP of a student council and then get up in front of the whole school and sing a rap, a rap that, oh, I wrote? Yes, yes, I did that. And hopefully everyone in Lyle Junior High School has erased that from their memory. I actually decided, because I had been thinking about this podcast, to sing the little rap to my kids in the car. And they were like, just please, mom, mom, stop. I mean, it's that mortifying. (laughs) But that is just that belief that I could do anything. I could be anything. I even signed up to do a solo dance at my college dance recital. And I was not one of those dance kids. I took a one, three credit dance class before this. And I was like, yes, sign me up for the solo. See, I may have not come from a background that was rich in money or rich in travel, but I had a mom and a community that always made me believe that anything was possible. There were a lot of hard things from my childhood, and those are stories for another day. But I made the best out of it, and I feel like I lived, and I still live, 100% out loud. And I honestly mean this from the bottom of my heart that I am here today to say to you that if you did not have those cheerleaders in your corner or if you do not right now, I am going to be that cheerleader for you. I am here to tell you that you are not too old. It's not too late. You can be anything and you can become again and again. You are worthy. I went to six colleges, and I can't remember if I've already told you guys that fun tidbit about my life. And maybe it's something that I should be ashamed of or embarrassed of, but I'm not. I love that part of my journey. And there's a whole lot more I could say about that. But let me just start by saying I went as a bright new shiny freshman to Bowling Green State University in Ohio. I went as a fashion design major because it was my hope that I would go on to be part of their dual degree program with the Fashion Institute of Technology. See, I wanted to design free jeans. And Even little girl me was sketching clothes and telling people that someday they were going to be wearing Brie jeans. And then I went for my first fashion class in college, clothing design and construction. And construction. Somehow I missed that piece. You actually had to sew the clothes you designed. And I was like, what? Wait, what? My whole class was full of 4-H'ers. This was Ohio, and everyone is in 4-H. And these 4-H'ers, they could sew skirts and aprons literally in their sleep. And there would be me at like 10 o'clock at night in the sewing lab sweating bullets because I could not sew to save my life. I could could not sew. 
I could not be a fashion designer. So I dropped the class and I dropped the major and five more colleges and even more majors followed. And then there was the semester I took off and worked full-time and alternated between visiting beauty schools I was interested in attending and other colleges because I also always wanted to be a hairstylist. I think the truth is I was always someone who was, quote-unquote, all over the place. I think now there's a better term for it, multi-passionate. Multi-passionate people become again and again because they can't help it. It's in their nature. It's in their DNA. But most people, most people are change adverse. Most people don't like new things. Personally, I think one of the greatest things holding women back from becoming again and from blossoming anew is that they feel stuck. They feel stuck in their choices. Like somehow their choices were permanent. I think about A teacher, for example, who has an inkling that she wants to try something new, but her excuses to herself and her fear of change are louder than that gentle nudge. And I imagine this conversation that she's having with herself in her head that goes something like, but I have an education degree. I have a teaching certificate. I even have a master's in education. And I have taught for 15 plus years So instead of hearing her voice, the voice calling her in another direction, she only hears her own voice that tells her, this was my commitment. This was my choice. I am a teacher. I am stuck teaching. But the truth is, she's not stuck. And you also are not stuck. You are not stuck in that unsatisfying career. You are not stuck in that funk You are not stuck in that bad relationship or the cold weather or the path you're on. You are not stuck. You can, in fact, become again and again. If you hear a voice, if you feel a gentle nudge, you can follow it and you can change your mind. You can change your mind one, two, heck, even six times. Maybe it's not you, but maybe it's the people around you in your inner circle that are the naysayers in your life that contribute to you feeling stuck. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of The Faster Way to Weight Loss. It is a multi-million dollar weight loss intermittent fasting company run by Amanda Truss. She's the CEO and founder. And I heard her being interviewed on a podcast. And she was talking about how she comes from a family that was obese, that multiple people in her family struggled with obesity. And they did not want to hear at all about what she was doing. They were not interested in her journey. They didn't want to know about the company that she wanted to build. They wanted literally nothing to do with this. But she did it anyway. She believed in her heart that there was a better way to lead a healthy life. And she just did it without her nuclear family behind her. Recently, I was doing one of her workouts and she said something like this. And I'm not quoting her word for word because I do not take notes during my workouts. But she basically said something like, Get close to the people that support you, the people that cheer you on, and stay away from the people that bring you negativity and that are toxic to you. 
Okay, those were not her exact words, but that was absolutely her sentiment. So if you have naysayers, when you share your ideas or your dream, dig deep. Dig deeper. Talk to other people around you. And also know your audience. I say know your audience because even the people who are your cheerleaders may not get your idea. And they may not understand your dream or your desire to move because they are not your audience. They're not your demographic. When, this is several years ago, my Spanish school was thriving. And I had two young kids and my husband was literally traveling all the time for work. And if you have kids, you remember this stage where you're literally just in survival mode and it feels impossible to take care of yourself or to lead a healthy life because you're just juggling everything. And that is how I felt. And so I told my husband, gosh, I'd really like to create a healthy organic sauce that could be used to make fast, easy, healthy, not fattening dinners for busy moms. And he was like, yeah, no, I don't get it. And he didn't get it. He was not a busy mom. He does not even cook. He was not my audience or my demographic. So when I saw an ad come out in the newspaper that was looking for a food product to be the hottest kitchen entrepreneur in Milwaukee, I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. I am going to enter this contest. So I took my sauce And I came up with some recipes and I recruited two of my awesome coworkers from my Spanish company to be my sous chefs. And I literally got up in front of a James Beard nominee and sold my concept of skinny dinner starters and my sauce, which I called Superfood Italian. That day, that afternoon, I channeled all of the confidence of that little girl who at the playground was told she could be president someday. And guess what? I won. I won. Like baffling, but I won. And what followed was a complete whirlwind. I had probably with all the part-time employees, about 100 employees at my Spanish school at the time. I had my two boys and my traveling husband, and I found myself cooking on TV and doing interviews and meeting with some of the most influential food CEOs in Milwaukee, like Giacomo Faluca in Palermo, from Palermo's. I literally got to sit down with him one-on-one. I was also taking a class at the local community college on how to start a food business. And I was literally just walking into grocery stores and asking them to carry my sauces because by that time I had also created a second sauce. And I was cooking occasionally on a morning show. My sauce ultimately ended up in seven grocery stores in seven months. But before the year was up, I said, I'm done. I'm just done. Because I didn't want to have to stand at the grocery store on a Saturday morning handing out samples of my sauce. The whole point of creating the sauce was so that I could spend more time with my family. What I realized was that I wanted a product like mine for my own life But I didn't want to own a food company. I had a Spanish school. And so I sold it for way less than I think it was probably worth. But that's the thing about trying something new. You don't know if it fits you. You don't know if it's your thing. You can't think your way to that answer. You have to actually try it and do it. Physically try it. And I believe I start 
and stop and try new things because I'm not afraid to fail. I am not afraid of starting and stopping. I don't think there is shame in that. And I want to share that message with you today. You too can become again and again. And to be honest, making bold decisions or trying new things doesn't come without fear or anxiety. Trust me. If you know me personally, you know I have ridiculous amounts of anxiety. But I did it anyway. And fear and anxiety are normal parts of change or new things. I just don't want your dreams crippled by your fear or your anxiety because you feel like you're stuck. I want your dreams to be bigger than your fear. I am absolutely certain that no matter where you are in your life, there is a part of your life that you wish was better or different. So I was thinking yesterday, I wanted to share a little exercise with all of you guys, an exercise in manifesting. And I'm still just trying to understand manifesting myself. So bear with me as I give you this very loose explanation of what manifesting is. So manifesting is basically the idea that you start attracting things and dreams into your life by thinking positively and believing them to be true. And so before I start telling you about the little exercise I want you to do, I have to tell you a story about manifesting in my own life. For years, I had been contemplating signing up for B-School. That's Marie Forleo's business school. But it's expensive. It's $2,499. And so every year when it would come up, I just could not pull the trigger. But I just kept thinking about B-School and how I wanted to be in B-School and how I felt like it would be a game changer for me. So one day I'm sitting in my office and I get a call from Milwaukee Public Schools. And they say something about blah, 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 document or an invoice and $2,500. And I kind of am like, wait, what? I don't owe you any money. We provide your schools with Spanish. You know, we wouldn't be getting billed from you. And she was like, no, 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 ma'am. We owe you $2,500 because you never sent us an invoice. And I was like, oh, bam, that is my sign. B-School, $2,499. This unexpected money, $2,500. And that day, I signed up for B-School with the thought that this is going to make my company even better with this knowledge under my belt. And that is an example of manifesting. I have another example, but I'm going to share that another day. Because I want to dig into this exercise that I want you guys to do. Because I think today is a perfect time for you to start doing this and start manifesting that part of your life, that part of your life that you wish was different or you wish was better. So pick just one thing, only one thing, and be very clear in your head about it. Your marriage, your job, where you live, whatever it is, whatever part of your life you choose, and start imagining how you wish it was. Write down this wish in exact, great, laborious detail, every little detail. But don't even write it down like it was a wish. Write it down like it happens. It happened. And every morning or every night before you get into bed, whichever you choose, look at that piece of paper and read it and close your eyes and picture it. Picture all those details that you wrote down. 
And then over time, feel free to add to that sheet of paper. Add another part of your life that you want to manifest. And then over time, you have a blueprint, a blueprint for this dream life that you can focus on and think about and manifest. Because if you didn't have cheerleaders that led you to believe that something bigger was waiting for you, you can now be that person for yourself. I am, of course, your cheerleader, but you are the biggest cheerleader and you are the person that can move the needle in your life the most to whatever area of your life you choose that you want to be better or to be different. And if you believe something, believe it beyond your excuses. And there are always a lot of excuses for me too. Believe that you are never stuck. Believe that you can always reinvent yourself and you can reinvent your life. I was listening to Marie Forleo, who I just mentioned about B-School, and she was giving a talk about strategies for unstoppable success. And she asked the question, why do you do what you do? And I immediately thought of this podcast, and I thought of all of you. And I wrote down in my phone, literally opened up the notes in my phone, and I wrote down word for word, I want to help unite women in midlife. I want to inspire them to step into their gifts and chase their bold dreams. I want them to feel healthy and strong and vibrant. I want these women to reclaim enthusiasm for their lives. I believe that these women can and should make an impact in this next chapter. Truly, to all of you, I am here because of you. I am here because I believe you were made for more. I am here because I want you to find your next purpose and your joy. I am here because I believe that midlife is exactly the time to begin again. Thank you, friends, for taking time out of your busy lives to listen to the Caesar Midlife podcast. It humbles me so very much that you tune in and listen. And if you would so kindly give the podcast five stars or leave a review or tell your friends, I would greatly appreciate it. That will lead more women to this podcast and to this conversation. And the more women that join in this conversation, the fuller it will be. Have a beautiful day. I believe in you. 